This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity in Houston, Texas, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America. Please join us for worship on Sundays at 8, 9, and 11.15, and visit us online at holytrinityrec.org. Enjoy the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Do not destroy him. These words to Abishai, the man that volunteered to go into Saul's camp with David, echo the mounting pressure upon David to save himself. After learning the value of leaving even a small manner in the hands of God from last week's reading with Nabal, David is again tested with the temptation now to commit a big sin, killing the king. Temptation to sin often arrives when external pressures upon us are great. In these last few chapters in 1 Samuel, David has been tempted left and right with no easing up and the pressure. Yet with such relentless attacks and temptations to sin, we see David could only resist these by the strength and the power of God, relying on him completely, as we've seen him do repeatedly in this book. For us, on what is known today as, in this Sunday in Advent, as Bible Sunday, staying strong in the Lord means staying steeped in his holy word, in his holy word that points to Jesus Christ in everything, that sustains us, that protects us in him alone. The word of God points us to these truths. We are encouraged in these truths. We know these truths and we're built up in these truths through growth in them by God's word. As we read in the psalm a little bit earlier in verse 2, great are the works of the Lord studied by those who delight in him. In our first section in verses 1 through 5, it speaks of Saul once again seeking to kill David. As with the last instance of this, the Ziphites instigated it. After the last time, as we read in a couple chapters ago, when Saul went after David, Saul was stopped in his tracks by the mercy and the grace of David. This repentance obviously wears off here for Saul. And as he did previously, he brings several thousand men to find his adversary. David in verses 3 and 4 learns of Saul's return to seek violence against him. And to be sure in verse 4, David sends out spies to confirm that this was true. After the events of chapter 24 where Saul seemed repentant and left this turn of events here were most troubling for David. And he double checks to see if it was true. Unfortunately, we face the same with fellow sinners from time to time. It seems we're tested all the time with people pushing our buttons on how many times we should forgive them for committing the same sin against us. For David, a man after God's own heart, as scripture mentions about him, a man that delighted in God's word, this setback was difficult, as it is difficult for all of us that face the same. As Christians, we are called not to a pessimism on these matters, 
to expect people to keep hurting us, to sin against us over and over again. Rather, we are called to a charitable presumption, to assume the best through the power of Jesus Christ. As 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7 reminds us, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. David did this with Saul throughout his life. We are called to the same with each other. Often in our default response to such circumstances in our lives is to run, to get away, to have nothing to do with the person that keeps hurting us repeatedly. Our next section, though, the last part of this chapter speaks of the proper path of dealing with the repeat offender to find a way to confront them. Verses 6 through 12 speaks of David seeking a way to confront his nemesis, Saul, over this renewed sin. He said this in verse 6, Who will go down with me into the camp of Saul? One man, Abishai, said he would go with him. The men then went, as we read, into the camp of of King Saul and his army to find Saul sleeping with his spear stuck in the ground at his head and his army sleeping around him. David and his men could have run, trying to find a new place to hide, to get as far away as possible from their enemy. But instead, David saw it fit and important to confront Saul in this treachery. David chose the faithful side to this, even to risk his own life to sneak into Saul's camp. Next, in verse 8, we read that Abishai used this new opportunity afforded them to tempt David to sin. Abishai said, God has given your enemy into your hand this day. Now, please let me pin him to the earth with one stroke of the spear, and I will not strike him twice. Even letting his servant kill Saul would have been the same as David doing the deed himself. These two men just risked their lives, after all, sneaking into this camp of 3,000 men, a camp of men that wanted to kill David. This running for their lives was the center of their existence for a long time. It was tiring. Here in this spot was the type of sinful opportunity many take. It is the type of temptation to sin that seeks justification through all the external human-centered indicators we all feel in stressful moments. Every indicator here was present, even so much so of getting to the bedside of Saul while he was asleep and his entire army. And it gave Abishai the erroneous thought that maybe they could take matters into their own hands. Maybe it is what God wanted But as we read, this was far from the truth. For our default position as sinners, taking the easy and fast route to deliverance from our problems always seems the right thing to do in the moment. Yet this is how sin works. Tempting in the moment for us to act compulsively. Giving up all previous godly discipline and obedience for my way, my needs, my desires. David's resolve in serving God alone patiently comes to sharp focus with his answer to Abishai in verse 9, where he said, Do not destroy him, for who can put his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? 
No matter how good an opportunity this felt like in the moment to spontaneously act to save themselves, it was still a grave sin. David in verse 10 explains the call upon all of us as Christians to wait on the Lord instead of bowing to the pressure to save oneself. As the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him, or his day will come to die, or he will go down into battle and perish. He, in verse 11, reiterates the danger of doing this for himself. The Lord forbid that I should put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Patience, as it was for David, is also key for us in Christ. David, up to this point, was always led by God's patience to see as everything in his life in the hands of God and through God's timing. As the parable of the fig tree that we just read in the gospel teaches us, we wait on the Lord and his work to behold, to view, to see when the seasons change. We never try to force the issue, to speed up the situation. We wait on the Lord. God helps us in the patience David exhibited to wait in two manners, both grounded in our worship. The first area is that of remembering all God has done for us, both personally in our own lives in the past and in his people, going back to the very beginning of time. As verse 4 of our psalm reminds us, he has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. In remembrance, we come to recollection of his grace and his mercy to us as his people. Our worship every week is full of a calling all of us to remember the great deeds of God through Jesus Christ to save us. The more we remember our past and our salvation history, the better equipped we will be to reject all temptations to do things the fast, easy, and sinful way. Secondly, and vitally connected to remembrance is the fact that in worship we're called to remember by being fed by Almighty God, by his word, by his sacrament, the Holy Communion. As verse 5 of our psalm states, he provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. Worship is covenant renewal. It is the recalling of all that God has done to save us through renewing our vows every week with him through worship together to partake of the Lord's Supper. It enables us to live in a proper fear of God, leaning fully on him throughout every moment in our lives. It is his word as we are sustained by him through it that prepares us for all the stressful times that we are prone to give into temptation, where we're prone to act compulsively. Connections to his church through worship, the word, and the sacraments equip us to face the world around us, to spread the gospel, not only with the words that we use, but also in our obedient actions, as David exhibited in our passage today, preparing for what he would do next week in the lesson we are to read in his actual confrontation of Saul and his sin. And yes, giving Saul an opportunity to repent for the same sin again. Let us close with these words from our epistle today. Looking to God alone for the help we need to resist all temptation, no matter how alluring it may be in the moment. 
For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. Amen.